In the first part of the 20th century, there was a Jewish family uh, in Poland who immigrated to France during World War I. There was a son in that family uh, uh, named Aaron, whom then uh, obviously was moved because the circumstances of his mother and father of his family changed the direction of his life um, as he would become one who was raised in France. And in France, as in European places, the ways in which you grow and educate and um, move are more fluid than for us in the United States to leave countries. But for them, uh, his parents sent this young boy at the age of 10 to Germany to learn German. And so he went for a summer to spend time with this, uh, he spent time with this family who he stayed with. Uh, This was 1936, the Nazis were already in power, and so, but he lived in this boarding house with a family that was anti-Hitler. In the article, in his own words, he writes in this article, I was plunged into another world. In it, there prevailed a calm good-naturedness, steeped in morality and the gospel, that is perhaps the best of the Germanic way of life. What struck me most in Germany was the discovery of a Christian family. His family ended up leaving Paris at the outbreak of the war and moved to Orleans. Again, he lived with Catholics, and these early interactions with the Christians were most positive and impressionable. He speaks and says, I shared the daily life of devoted Christians, a perplexity for this young Jewish boy. Eventually, the path, the way of this young boy, Aaron, he would recall the moment in which he decided to become a Christian, a deeply spiritual experience that occurred in the cathedral of Orleans. He writes, I passed by the cathedral every day on the way to and from school. It is an enormous edifice with an austere beauty. I wandered in on what I now know was Holy Thursday. At the south south transept, I stopped before a brilliant profusion of flowers and candles. I stood there quite a while, transfixed not knowing why I was there or why I was reacting as I was. The next day, I returned to the cathedral. I wanted to see it again. But the church was empty, spiritually empty also. I experienced the ordeal of that emptiness. I did not know that it was Good Friday, I am only describing the materiality of things. And at that moment, I thought, I want to be baptized. This young boy who was baptized was taken to the Bishop of Orleans, who gave him private instruction in the faith. And Jean-Marie Lustiger would be baptized along with his sister, and eventually become a priest himself. And 
in the providence that only God can arrange, would one day sit in the cathedra as the bishop of that diocese in the exact cathedral in which his encounter with the mystery of Jesus Christ occurred. There is one who prepares a way. We read in our gospel today that John the Baptist was the one who was sent to prepare. To prepare people to, this, to be led to this encounter with Jesus Christ. And interestingly enough, as Jesus sends his own disciples when they are sent there to ask about John, he doesn't, uh, uh, or when John sends his disciples to ask about Jesus, Jesus doesn't say, yes, I mean, it would have been really easy, wouldn't it have been? Sent them that, are you the one? Yes. I mean, like, why are things so complicated? If you ever wonder why things are complicated in the church, well, like, I don't know, it started that way. (laughs) Maybe there's something simpler going on, but we're complicated. What happens in this exchange between the disciples of John the Baptist and Jesus and Jesus' response to them. Jesus interacts with them in a way and makes them go inside their heart that they might make the judgment themselves. We had been prepared. Is this the evidence of the thing you were prepared for or not? You decide. You account for all the factors that have been given to the history of your people and given to your own history, and now you stand before this mystery, what will you say? And so he leads them back through the mystery. And so he says, the blind are regaining their sight, the lame are walking, the lepers are being cleansed, the deaf are hearing, the dead are being raised, the good have the news proclaimed to them. The poor have the good news proclaimed to them. And then they have to go through their history and say, that's what we were told would happen. When he arrives, when the Messiah comes, even they had to go deep into their own heart, into the experience of what was happening objectively around them. And then they could say, it's the one. Now, maybe they like went back and they're thinking, okay, maybe, maybe not, maybe, maybe not. And then they get to John like, and then the certainty of somebody else then allows them to say, okay, yeah. Me too. I believe. There are those that prepare the way. There are those that come before. There is the journey that happens before the encounter with Jesus Christ. And we must pay attention to all of the things that are happening and realize that we are a part of this mysterious journey. The ways in which other people will come to him We don't make God happen for people. We don't give people faith. That's a gift from God above. But we are the witnesses. And in a witness, we prepare a way. And a witness doesn't have to be a nice crafted little way in which I speak about him. A witness is my life that has been changed by him. A witness is the journey of my ups and downs and the need that I have. A witness is the way in which I am different now than I was yesterday and the thing that happened in between was him. 
And that might difference might just be a little tiny thing that's of no importance to anybody else. But because it was important to me, it carries with it a power of knowing the powerful one has entered my life. We must ask ourselves what it means then that at the end of the gospel, Jesus says, John the Baptist, by the way, is the greatest of anyone born of woman. So he's doubling down there. But the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. What does that mean for you? The least in the kingdom of heaven, greater than he. What does that mean for you? Our very own late Bishop Paul Swain, born in a non-practicing Christian home, had his own encounter in a cathedral, the Cathedral of Madison, Wisconsin, in which the experience that he had inside that place and a provocation in his own life made him say, I wonder what I'm to do next. And for a non-practicing Methodist, it was quite a shock to think, the priesthood? But he knew that it was the voice from above. And so he was ordained in that own cathedral and then sent to us years later. But if you've heard his story, you know that there was a way prepared for that encounter. When he was in the military serving in Vietnam, somehow he met or spent time with and uh, got to know a Vietnamese family. And their Catholic faith made an impression on him. The way they lived their life moved him. And he didn't know it was happening at the time, but years later when he was capable and able to look back, he realized that humble family of faith in Vietnam greater than John the Baptist. The family will never know who Aaron, the future cardinal of Paris, would meet and live with while he was learning German greater than John the Baptist, maybe? As we prepare to go home, as you prepare yourself to enter back into a home in which maybe you haven't been in months, do you believe that you carry with you something that can change the friends that you had in high school? Do you believe you carry with you a differentness of what's in your heart that maybe will make an impression upon a sister or a father or a cousin that you will see? Or do you think that maybe what you have isn't enough?
I might pose the intuition that what you have isn't enough might actually be a good place to pray about Jesus' words. The least in the kingdom of God. But I would propose if we don't understand what it is we're doing, if we don't know what it is that we have, if we don't go deep into the questions about who it is that has prepared the way for us, what it is that we have met here, who the, the time that we have gathered here, that the, there will be a difference in the home. And so as you go home, take time each day to reflect upon what happened here. And when you feel like, ah, I'm losing myself, my prayer life's gone, things aren't the same, yeah, great. That's a good place to then say, oh, why was that place different for me? It's a good time to recall a friendship that you made here. Maybe call them up. And somehow in that phone conversation, a rekindling can happen that makes you then more able to be a part of your family. Even take a moment of prayer. And ask the Holy Spirit to rekindle that fire that you have been given here when you are in your home. And who knows? Maybe. Maybe one day when you get to heaven, someone will say, I was with you in your home. Or you were with me in my home. And the way that you lived prepared a way for And when I met him, I looked back all those years ago and I see the beauty of how you lived changed me. Might we have gratitude in our hearts for the one that we have met. For it's a providential mystery that we should be chosen to come to this place. But God desires all of his children to be gathered in eternal life. And he sent you to prepare the way for them to meet him.